I tried as best as I could to stay in the book of Matthew, but I couldn't. Uh, The Lord wouldn't let me. Uh, So we're in the book of Psalms this morning, Psalm 29. If you have your Bibles, I promise I won't preach long. Uh, Famous last words of every Baptist preacher, right? (laughs) Psalm 29, we're going to be in verse 10 this morning. Psalm 29, verse 10. Verse 10 and 11. David the psalmist says this, The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. Verse 11, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pray. God, we know you are king. May you strengthen us. May you bless us with peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've said this before, but it's never more appropriate today. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Nothing takes the Lord by surprise. When it rained for Friday and Saturday and Sunday and the creeks filled up and the bayous filled up and the rivers filled up and they filled up and they came up and they oversplit and they overflowed their banks and they came water came out of the storm drains and water came out of the, the, the sewers and water came out of everywhere. It did not take the Lord by surprise. Not even a little bit. I want to point out to you the very first verse, the very first portion of verse 10. It says, The Lord sat as king. The Lord has always sat as king. The Lord entered this earth, entered this, this realm that we know as king because he created it. The Lord, our God, is not a created being, he is the creator. And as the creator, As the one who created, John chapter 1 verse 3, all things that were created were created by Him and for Him. That God is the Creator, and as the Creator, He sits as King. That God is sovereign. It says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45, that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. That God is sovereign. And I've said this before, but it's never more appropriate than it is now that there is not a raindrop that falls out of the the sky and lands on the ground without the foreordination of our God. That He is King. He is Lord. Nothing, no one has ever, will ever challenge that because God is King. And He sits as King. Everything must go through the filter of God's omniscience and God's omnipotence. Everything. God does not respond or react to what happens because God is king. He didn't look at the flood that, that, that got into our homes and that devastated our churches and that devastated our families and then now is reacting. 
That is not how God works. God is not a reactionary God, but God is a sovereign God. God is king. He is king over the he is king over the living and the dead. God knows all, is all, and God is in control of all. Amen? Amen. He is king and he sat as king. And as Job sat overlooking all that he had, any and all devastation that came to Job had to come to the filter of God. Any and all devastation or destruction that happens to your home, to your possessions, to your family, goes through the filter of God's omniscience and God's omnipotence. Sometimes that's hard to understand. Sometimes it's easy to understand cognitively, but it's hard to understand emotionally. Why? How would God allow? How would in God's sovereignty Him He be able to say it is good to destroy everything that you have? God is king at the flood. In Psalm verse 29, Chapter 29, verse 10. David is specifically referencing the flood of Noah. The flood of Noah's time. And David says that God is king at that flood. It rained here for two and a half, three days. And we see the devastation that occurred. It rained in Noah's day for 40 days and for 40 nights. I cannot even imagine the images in the days of Noah. Because I see the images. I waded through the water. I floated through the water. I have seen the devastation of two and a half days of rain. I cannot even imagine the devastation as there are bodies floating on the water, as there are trees that are overtopped, as the boat comes to rest, the ark comes to rest, not, not on the side of a riverbank, but on a mountaintop. And David said that God was king at the flood. And the greatest devastation in all of human history God stood as king this will probably go down as the greatest natural disaster the most expensive natural disaster in all of the United States history but at the greatest disaster devastation in all of human history Greater than earthquakes, greater than volcanoes, greater than, than tsunamis, greater than any natural disaster that there ever was, there was a flood that destroyed all of humankind, save three families. One family, Noah's family, Noah and his three sons. Every human being, every animal was destroyed except those whom God preserved on the ark. And at that moment, David said, the Lord sat as king. 
Now, I want to comfort us with this, church. Just because God is sovereign, we are not. Just because God is sovereign and He is King and He is Lord, we are still human. And we have still lost everything that we have worked hard for, that we have saved for, that we have invested for, that we have put our time and our energy and our effort rebuilding and and, and remodeling and renovating. We have still lost it all. And we are still human. And church, I want us to understand this, that grief is expected. If after losing everything that you've worked for, after, after losing your home and all of your possessions, if you don't feel heartache, then you're not human. If you don't cry when you walk into your home and you see everything that, that you have built turned upside down by floodwaters and all those precious heirlooms and those, those, those photographs and those, those coloring books that your children colored in and, and all, of the, all of the mementos and all of the, the things passed down from generation to generation. If you don't grieve, you're not human. And just because God is sovereign, grief is expected. Whenever Lazarus died in John chapter 11, verse 35, the Scripture tells us that Jesus wept. Now this is a man who knew that in just a few moments he was going to call this same Lazarus out of the grave. We know this because earlier in John he said it is good for us to go back so that you will learn faith, so that you will be able to see the grace and the power and the might of our God. And so they travel from Judah back to Bethany and they go to call Lazarus from the grave. And still in John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Grief is expected. It's okay. It's okay to know that God is sovereign and still grieve the loss. Our response to what God has allowed to happen in our lives and in our home does not alienate God from us. It does not push God away. Whenever I'm a dad and my kids come to me and they're mad at me. They're mad at me for, for not letting them eat chocolate cake for dinner. They're mad at me because I make them go to bed at a certain time. Or they're mad at me because I make them clean their room. Or they're, they're, they're mad at me because I won't let them go spend the night at a friend's house. Or they're mad at me because I won't let them do something. And they get mad and they throw a temper tantrum and they go in their fit and they act. They, they go in their room and they throw a fit and they act like children. I don't get mad at my children. Because I know that they're seven, or they're ten, or they're twelve. That is right. right. Seven, ten, and twelve. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And 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 when you're when you're sixteen and, and eighteen and twenty-seven and forty-two, we still throw fits when we don't get our way, right? And you know what? As a parent who watches his child throw a fit when they don't get what they want or when something is taken away from them. As a dad, I don't get angry with them. In fact, it's in those moments where I realize they need my love that much more. They need to be taught. They need to be trained. 
They need to be comforted. I want to remind us that God is king at the flood. And our response does not push God away. And it's okay to throw a fit sometimes. It's okay to grieve and cry. I've heard many pastors... I've heard many pastors and many men of faith discourage people from asking God why. I don't want to do that. It's okay to ask God why. But it's also okay if He doesn't answer you. God is faithful. He is King. I want to move to verse 11. I want to encourage you with this, church. Verse 11 follows up the Lord. Verse 10 says, The Lord sat as king at the flood. And verse 11 tells us that the Lord will give strength to His people. Just by show of hands, how many of you have spent this last week in someone's home or the church Cutting and ripping out something that was devastated by floodwaters. How many of you are tired? <laughs> How many of you will be thrilled to never have to use another box cutter or another crowbar for the rest of your life? If I never see another piece of drywall again, I will be okay. Let's 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 you know you, you know what I'm I'm to the point where you know we we don't even need walls. <laughs> as long as the roof is up, we're good. I don't need walls. I don't need insulation. It really doesn't get that cold here. We're we're, we're good. We're good. The Lord will give strength to His people. You know, sometimes strength comes in unexpected forms, doesn't it? Sometimes strength shows up with three guys in an aluminum bateau, huh, Brother Dave? Sometimes strength shows up in a box truck in your driveway in Saturday when the rain is pouring down. Sometimes strength shows up in a horde of LSU students. On Thursday night, I was sitting in my den trying to come up with a plan because we still had about seven or eight church members who needed to have their houses completely gutted. And I wasn't even done with the church. And my work crew had been diminishing because on Monday when we showed up at the church, I had a lot of people to help me because they couldn't get back into their homes yet. Because the water was still up. And so I, I had people who could help me, the ones that weren't flooded or the ones that were displaced because there was still three feet of water in their homes. I had help. And on Tuesday I had help, but on Wednesday the water had gone down enough and everybody was either in their homes or in their family's home. And so there was about, there was about six of us. Me and... My kids and my family and Daniel and his kid, Daniel McCullough and his kids and his family. That was about it. We had one or two other church members. That was about it. And Thursday was much the same. 
And I went home defeated because I had the church that I had to finish and I had James and Summer and I had Billy and Carol and I had John and Carol and I had a, a, another, I had the Scroggs and we, there, there's so many people that, that we just had to get to and, and there wasn't enough people. And then I get a call from a pastor out by LSU. He said, hey, if I sent you some college students, could you put them to work? <laughs> Strength comes in ways that we don't expect it. And this organization had gone through the dorms at LSU as the students were moving in and recruited volunteers. And he sent me wave after wave of people. And on Friday and on Saturday, we were able to finish gutting the church to the point it could dry. And on Saturday, we were able to send people to Friday and Saturday, we were able to send people to James and Summer's house and the Zumbro's house and Miss Johnson's house. And we were able to send people to John and Carol's house. And we were able to send people to, to people's neighbors and family members and friends. And in two days, we were able to gut and clean out over 10 homes. Strength shows up in ways that we don't expect. Church, we are living in opportune times. Yes, we are living in devastating times, but we are living in opportune times. Our community is hurting. They are angry. They are looking for answers. And church, they will not find answers through FEMA. They will not find answers through their flood insurance. They will not find answers through our government assistance programs. They're not going to find the answers and the hope for their hopelessness through government institutions. The only hope for a hopeless world is Jesus. And we have the answer. We have the hope. Psalm 121 says this. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you, He will not slumber. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our shade. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from, from this time and forever. We are living in opportune times. Our community is hurting. Our community is angry. Our community is looking for answers. And we have the answer. We are now poised as the body of Christ. To be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now is not the time for pious platitudes. Now is not the time for us to stand up at the pulpit and speak of rhetoric, of how great God is and how faithful God is. Now is the time to put feet to our faith. Now is the time to get our hands dirty. Er. Now is the time. To do what God has called us to do. James chapter 2 verse 18. I'm going to close with this. James encourages the church that is scattered throughout 
Asia Minor, in the midst of persecution, says this. Someone may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. The church demonstrates its faith by how we live. I want to encourage you. Take care of your own. Take care of your family. Take care of your household. But once you've taken care of your household, go into the community. Go to your neighbor. Help rip out carpet. Help rip out sheetrock. Help haul furniture. Help hang drywall. Loan a fan if you've got one. Watch a kid. Cook a meal. Now is not the time for pious platitudes. Now is time for us to put feet to our faith. Our faith without works is simply rhetoric. It's simply lip service. And this community does not need people to stand up on the street corners and preach about how great Jesus is. They need people to walk into their homes and show them what a great Savior we serve. Amen? Amen. They need people to walk into the homes, rip out sheetrock and say, I'm doing this not because I love you, but I'm doing this because I love Jesus. And Jesus has commanded me to love you. I'm doing this because I want you to know the love that comes from my Savior. I want you to know that that there is a great God and He is greater than anything in this world. And He sits as King at the flood. And though the waters may rise, that our God is a rock and we can build our lives upon Him. And the rains are going to batter and the floodwaters are going to rise. But He will not fail. Come hell or high water, Jesus is Lord. We've seen the high water. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Let's pray. God, our church is poised to permeate this community with the gospel. Lord, may you give us strength May you give us ability. May you give us resources. May you give us money. May you give us tools. May you give us masks. May you give us gloves. May you give us hammers and crowbars for no other reason than for us to permeate this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we rebuild, May we never forget that you are king. You are the giver of all things. And may we worship you as king. Lord, may you heal our hearts that we can be used in our community.